Pastor Chach talked about the W in snow cones. He, the W was for worship. Worship, right? And I love what he just said. Why are we saving it? Let, let's just give God everything we got right now. Amen? You know that what we just did was practice. You're going to do this for eternity one day. And so I'd hate for you to show up to heaven one day and you're out of practice. Let's get our worship practice on right now. Amen? The C last week, Pastor Robert Chester. How was that for you guys, huh? The C in the word snow cones is for Chester. No, it's for confession. It's for confession. And Pastor Robert last week did led us in a study on confession and how that replenishes us and why it's good, us confessing who God is. He's the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. But more importantly, for some of us, we're being held in bondage, aren't we? Maybe because of something we've not dealt with and made right. For some of us, maybe it's righting a wrong. Maybe it's going and releasing someone. I'm telling you, I was a prisoner for, for the first three years of our marriage. <laughs> Not because of my wife, but, but, but because of something that I had held in my life. That I, it took me three years. And I'm serving on a church staff during those three years. And I finally had to release that and let God bring a healing into my life. And I'm telling you, it is so much better whenever there's just this vulnerability and transparency and just getting rid of it. Okay, so, so, so far we're on Snoke. We've talked about Snoke. Today, I want to talk about the next O in that word, snow cones. And today, I want to encourage us. I believe this will refresh our spirit and our soul when we open up our home. Open your home. The O is for open. Open your home. A number of recent surveys have confirmed what we have intuitively understood all along. Eating with others keeps us healthier happier and better connected with each other. Eating with others keeps us healthier, happier, and better connected with others. Even so, it seems to me that shared meals, especially those in which we open up our home and invite somebody in to come eat with us. Listen, shared meals have been on a decline for some time, haven't they? For various reasons. Busy parents find it hard to, to gather everyone around the table. We're running from, from this activity to that activity, and we got to do this, that, and whatever. Much less have people over to our house for dinner. Takeout and drive through have also played a part in, in contributing to this decline, I believe, in, in, in opening up our home and sharing a meal with someone. And, and let's just face it. Can we just be honest? Listen, there's some weird people in our culture, aren't there? Now, none of us are. We're the, if everyone were like us, it'd be an easy place to live, wouldn't it? No, let's just face it. Having people over to your house can be a pain, can't it? It's hard to get that house cleaned up and, and, and prepare several courses and then spend hours eating and, and chatting and face that mountain of, of, of dirty dishes at the end of the evening, isn't it? And you know what you do, right? You have that closet that you pile all that mess into, right? Just hoping no one opens that one, you know, make it look good. And then if you have kids at this, this dinner when you've invited people over, man, kids can really jack up an evening, can't they? <laughs> now your kids are jacked up, but then when your neighbors bring their banshees over, it is a, it is a mess. I mean, the thought of dropping stuff on the floor and, you, you know, picky eaters. I mean, good grief. Have you thought about how hard it is to cook for people? 
I'm gluten intolerant. I'm lactose free. And what do you eat these days in which you don't poison somebody? You know, it's just difficult, isn't it? You know, and for so many of us, we're like, why? Man, I, I'm having enough struggles in life, much less Jason inviting somebody to my house for dinner. Are you kidding me? Then there's that element of, of vulnerability in all of this. We, we, we may feel that, that maybe somehow our family is, is, is on display, that we're going to somehow be judged by our dinner guests as to how we run our home, how we, is it clean, you know, uh, 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 did I cook well enough, are they, you know, are they judging me by, you know, something they've, I mean, it's just, I don't want to expose my weaknesses, you know, and for some of us, it just terrifies us. And we just decide, you know, it's just better. Let's just go out to eat. You know, let's go to the Texas stop sign, DQ. And by the way, there is nothing wrong with having a DQ taco every once in a while. Right there. I, so good. So fun. So fun. I love it. But this idea of having people over for dinner, this intimate time. I mean, no restaurant can ever ever duplicate what happens around the table. So today, because we can't stay stuck on Snoke forever, I thought we would use this word O and talk about opening up our home. And getting back to, I'm gonna tell you something, to this biblical practice of sharing a meal together around your table. Did he say what I just think he said? Absolutely. You will find clear evidence throughout scripture of people opening up their homes and inviting people in, practicing this gift of hospitality. You know that's a spiritual gift, right? It is. Read it. It is. But this idea of opening up our home and sharing a meal together. I love what a blogger by the name of David Swanson recently wrote. He suggested that meals with friends at home rather than in a restaurant can be a sign of, quote, our confidence in a hospitable God. As meals out oftentimes avoid the sometimes complicated and, and uncomfortable role, roles of being a host and, and a guest. Our confidence in a hospitable God. And, and let me just remind you, because I've already gone there, but, but the early church, the, the, those in the book of Acts, when you read the book of Acts, the early church didn't just have meals along with their worship services. How many of you remember when we used to have church on Sunday night? Anybody ever go to church on Sunday nights? Yeah. And, and remember oftentimes there'd be, I mean, we, we, you could do it in the daytime. There'd be those potlucks. Remember those? Where people just all bring a dish. That's terrifying now, isn't it? You remember your mama saying, hey, don't eat that one. Stay away. Right? And then there was that, 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 that oftentimes that jello with that white stuff floating around it that looked like something that our astronauts eat, you know? I remember as a kid, though, we would go to church on Sunday morning, we'd go Sunday night, and then afterwards, oh, we would always go to someone's house afterwards and eat. We would share meals. I mean, the early church, listen, they, 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 they didn't just have meals along with their worship services. Their, their worship services were meals. That's where oftentimes they would gather to, to, to encourage one another in the faith around the dinner table. So today, if you guys will let me, and evidently you're going to because you're still sitting here, 
I want to talk to us about this, this idea of opening up our home and sharing a meal and why I believe that it will be so refreshing, not only for us, but to those that we invite into our home. Are you with me today? Now, throughout the Gospels, especially in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is, is referred to as the Son of Man. And I love that they, they, they put some action words with Jesus. You'll find that he was eating and drinking. Eating and drinking. And, and the eating and drinking that Jesus most oftentimes did, a lot of times with, with his disciples, well, they weren't always right. You know that the disciples weren't always holy either, were they, right? Then they give us great hope. But, but oftentimes you'll find throughout the Gospels that, that you're going to find Jesus eating with scandalous people. Scandalous. Hey, I think it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to become a little scandalous. Now, just hang in there with me. Say, all right, he just told me I can. no. Just hang in there with me. But Jesus oftentimes would scandalously include people that were of ill repute, poor reputation in the, in the community. He would invite them to come and eat and share a meal with them. And by the way, can I just tell you something? That Jesus is still inviting people to come and eat with him. In fact, can I just tell you something today? Right now, did you know that there's a banquet table that's being prepared for us? There is a banquet table in heaven that one day, I'm telling you, you think the golden corral is awesome? Listen, there is a banquet table that is being prepared for us right now. And one day we will sit and dine with our father in heaven and with the king of kings, with people that, 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 that we've known and some that we didn't even know they knew Jesus. And now there is a banquet that is being prepared that is off the hook, right? When we share a meal, when we sit to eat with one another, we are tasting the goodness of God with one another. We're, we're, we're acknowledging that, 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 that we all belong to him and he is a great God. There's just something about eating together. Amen. Anybody hungry right now? Amen. There's watermelon out there. Go grab one, crack it open, and let's get our munch on. Amen. Wow. And I love that at the table. At our tables. In God's hierarchy, there, there's no hierarchy at God's table. There's not one that's better than the other. There's not one that's excluded. This table is for everyone who have called on the name of the Lord and are saved. Now, I want to remind us of a couple of things real quickly today as, as we look at a, a, a passage that is, that is very, very familiar to us. And uh, this is a story that many of you have read time and time again. In fact, it's a story that we looked at at Ascend this last week. And have you ever read something from the Bible and you've read it numerous times, but then there's something new that the Holy Spirit of God kind of reveals to you as you read it yet again? It happened for me at camp. Pastor Scott was preaching a, 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 about this passage in Luke chapter 19, a story about a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. His name was was Zacchaeus, right? And, and, and there was something that he was saying. It was a great sermon, but, but he talked about the significance of the tree in that story. And I never thought about that tree, the significance of that tree. And Pastor Scott said this, and it was that new thing for me. Listen, the tree was the vehicle that God used so that a sinner could see Jesus. And you know what hit me that day? Hey, the church is to be the tree. 
The church is to be that vehicle that people can climb up on or get into and get a clear picture as to who Jesus is. Come on, that'll preach. I want a shirt that says, be the tree. In fact, here's what I'm envisioning, kind of a sage green, kind of fall, it's a fall shirt, sage green. And I want it to be a tree that starts here and kind of wraps around in, in a oatmeal color, kind of a tan something. And I want to say, be the tree. And we're going to sell those and we're all going to get them. Okay, I digress. Creative team's gone, bro, preach. Let us create. But I'm telling you, that's, that's of God right there. Be the tree. I'm reminded as we look at this story today of something that's big, and I think we all need to understand, we all are sinners in need of a savior. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you right now. Hey, no, 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 we are all sinners and we're in need of a savior, right? Let me ask you a question. Are, is there anyone in this room today that is not a sinner? No, anybody watching online? No, you're all guilty, dirty, scandalous, wretched people. Isn't that encouraging? Is there any of us in this room or watching online that are not in need of a savior? Anybody? No. You see, we all have that in common. We are all sinners and we're all in need of a savior. Here's the deal. Not only do you and I know that, God knew that. And that's why he sent Jesus. You know, the whole story of Christmas is that God loved us enough and he sent a savior to, to, to make us right with him, right? That's the message of Christmas. It's not so the guy and the girl in that cheesy Hallmark movie can get together and connect and kiss over the mistletoe. No, we needed a savior because we're all sinners. And there's so many of us that are listening today that have responded to Jesus' offer of salvation. And we have been the recipients. We've received his grace that we sang about in that song just a few moments ago. So here's my question. Why are we so slow then in offering salvation and offering grace to other people? Why? Why? And so today, as we look at this letter O in snow cones, and as we consider this idea of opening up our home, I, it begs the question today is, is what happens when we start eating with sinners once again, like Jesus? Now that phrase sinners in that statement, and, and, and oftentimes in scripture, when you see that word sinners, sinners were those who were labeled by the religious authorities as, as people who were outside the boundaries of acceptability. We all have, have been there, haven't we? I, I heard story after story of students at, at camp talking about this idea of being bullied, bullied and picked on and made to feel less and not included and unacceptable and what have you. Sinners in scripture were, were, were those who were labeled as, by the religious people as being outside the boundaries of acceptability. And even in our culture today, when we oftentimes refer to someone as, as a sinner, what we mean by that is it's, it's someone who, who has done something wrong or they've lived in an immoral way, something that goes against God's perfect desire for them. Now, when they would label people sinners, it would oftentimes also refer to, to someone who was, who was too poor to pay the temple tax. They would label somebody a sinner, who, someone who was chronically ill or, or, or mentally disturbed. They would call someone a sinner who, who, whose job maybe made them impure, like maybe a, a mortician or, or a prostitute, you know, touching dead bodies or using our bodies in an impure way. That they oftentimes label people sinners who were, who were non-observant Jews or, or even people who weren't Jews at all. They were, they were sinners. Well, in this story in Luke chapter 19, Jesus has an encounter 
with one of those types of people. Let's begin reading in Luke 19, beginning of verse one. I wanna read, you guys love the word of God or what? Is it not an awesome book to read? If, you've, if you don't know, you're, you're missing out. We would love to, to get you a Bible or to give you a daily devotional guide that you can use. You've got to get in the word of God, amen? Verse one says, Jesus entered Jericho and he made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, come. Quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Can you imagine if Jesus invited himself to your house? Some of you are scared right now. You're going to run home feverishly and hide things, aren't you, today? Clean up. Anyway, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and he took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and he said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Many of you have heard that story before. You've even sang a song that reminds you of that story. But we know that Jesus is walking through this town of Jericho. He's on his way to Jerusalem. We know that something significant in this town of Jericho, that half of all of Israel's priests live here. They've caught word. They've caught wind that this rabbi by the name of Jesus is coming by. So, so they're all clamoring, trying to, to find a place on the road just to get a glimpse of this one who so many people are raving about. We know that there's a notorious sinner there, a tax collector by the name of Zacchaeus, who I believe just had heard before that Jesus is able to even love people like him. You see, there might be a word for someone here today because you might be here today and you find yourself, maybe you're feeling that I'm just too far gone, that there's no way anyone would ever accept me. I've been told I'm crooked. I've been told that I'm wrong. I've been told that I'm not slow enough, good looking enough. I'll never measure up. And what happens if we're not careful, we can begin to believe the lies of the enemy. You know that's what those are, right? Lies from Satan himself. But I want you to take great hope in this story. If you don't hear another thing I say today, I want you to know something. You are not too far gone, dirty, ugly, slow enough in which Jesus cannot reach you and give you salvation and grace, amen? He offers that to every one of us. Remember what I said, we are all sinners in need of a savior. And I love that Jesus calls Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus has climbed this tree because he can't see, but he's, he's climbed this tree also to kind of get out of the way of people. He, he, he probably felt threatened, right? Surely no one would notice him up in the tree until, of course, Jesus points him out. Isn't that just like Jesus? You think you can hide your stuff and then he's going to point it out. Zacchaeus, hey, I want to go have dinner with you. Of all the people, can't you just see the religious leaders of of Jericho say, hey, well, what about us? Bro, we wore our regal robe today. 
Look at, we, we, we washed. But Zacchaeus was the one that Jesus chose that day to go eat with. You know, when Jesus was around, that was one of the things that he was oftentimes condemned for. He was condemned for keeping bad company. <laughs> Doesn't that give us all hope? Because some of us may feel like we're bad company. And I'm just telling you, you're the right fit for Jesus. <laughs> he loves hanging out with bad company. This is the gospel to me in action in Luke chapter 19. I love this. Jesus comes to Zacchaeus like a shepherd comes to a lost sheep. He finds him, he accepts him, and he helps him discover a new life. I was reminded as I read this story yet again that our point of need is God's point of salvation. The righteous condemning Jesus. He keeps bad company. But I'm reminded in, in just a few, book, a few chapters over in the same book of Luke chapter 5, Jesus referred to himself like a doctor who has come and he must mix with the sick people in order for, for them to be made well and for him to be able to use his gifts. Healthy people, he said, don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Did you know that? I've come not to those who think they are righteous, but to those who know they are sinners and need to repent. And I love this story because Zacchaeus becomes a changed man. God's come to show him love and forgiveness. It's an interesting story. There's something that I think that is important for us to know about as a church, something we need to know about Jesus. Jesus didn't yell at lost people. He ate with lost people. You see what I did there? Open up your home, sharing your meal around the table. Jesus didn't yell at people, but he ate with lost people. I mean, how could you hate a man who's willing to share your food? How could you hate a man who's willing to sit in your home and to ignore, ignore your annoying dog? Who, who, a man who's willing to look past the, 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 the stack of dishes in the sink or that pile of laundry in the corner. And he's willing to just proudly sit there and associate and eat with you. Now, there's something you need to know about eating in the first century. Eating in the first century was an intimate act. Eating with someone in the ancient world was, was a statement not just an act of hospitality. You see, when people ate with others in the time of Jesus, they were stating that, hey, I am willing to be connected with and accepted with you. I'm willing to be connected with you. I'm willing that people know that you and I are eating together and that we accept one another. You see, this practice of Jesus being intimate with sinners was one of the biggest reasons that, that Jesus was criticized by the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. You see, they kind of had this, this, this class system that they enforced rigorously. And it was legally forbidden to mingle with sinners, those who were outside the law. Table fellowship with beggars or, or tax collectors or, or, or prostitutes. Listen, that was a religious, social, and cultural taboo. In fact, even in the Near East today, when you consider this idea of sharing a meal together and eating together, for, for an Orthodox Jew to, 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 to say, hey, I would like to have dinner with you, it, it, it's a metaphor implying I would like to enter a friendship with you. See, it's more than just grabbing a taco at DQ. 
It's about entering and becoming intimate with someone. So you see, when Jesus ate with people, he was committing an act of intimacy. Hey, church, somebody needs to eat with somebody. It's time for us to eat with somebody. Jesus wants us to engage and share a meal with someone. The sad thing is so many of us are just too busy to notice people around us. We work nine to five, we, we fight traffic on I-10. Somewhere between the rim and Rudy's barbecue, you lose your religion and you cuss and you honk at somebody and give them a finger. I know you. You whip in into your driveway, you pop open the garage door from your remote control, or for those of us, ours don't work and we have to punch in a code, which ruins the whole concept, doesn't it? Getting out of my car, huh. We close that door, we jump into our lazy boy, and that's what we do for the rest of the night. We get lazy. And what we don't acknowledge is the husband and wife who live across the street from us who are having marital issues. We miss the little boy that's sitting in the front lawn that you drove by in the neighborhood, sitting by himself because there's no dad to play catch with. Or we, 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 we don't see the, 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 the single lady out front mowing her yard because there's no man. And by the way, real men mow. We miss those opportunities because we're just too busy. And we lose sight of all of the people around us that are lost and hopeless. Jesus wants spiritually blind people to see, and he wants Christians to see the spiritually blind. And guys, I believe this idea of opening up our home, pausing just long enough to see those around us and being willing to invite them in is a great way, not only for them to, to see who we are and our family and how we really do live, but more importantly, just maybe they might get a clearer picture as to how Jesus loves people. Are you with me today? We Christians have have come to be hated not for loving Jesus too much, but for loving people in the world too little. And I believe it's time for us to once again consider this simple act of just inviting someone into our lives to setting the table for them and just sharing a meal together. You know how the story of Zacchaeus ends? I don't know if you've read past verse nine, I have. See in verse 10 of Luke chapter 19, the Bible reminds us of why Jesus came. Can I read that verse to you? It says this, for the son of man came to find and restore the lost. You see, that verse right there in this story reminds us why Jesus came. He came for people like Zacchaeus. And oh, by the way, he came for people like you, Michael, and Michael, (laughs) Matt. Came for people like you, and you, and you, ma'am. Mike, he came for you. 
came for all of us. His purpose was to come to find us and to restore us. Church, listen. We're called to find and restore. Jesus found Zacchaeus here in Luke 19 and he invited him to dinner. I'm just wondering, will we do the same? Will we do the same? So today I have something really simple for you to do. Can I just kind of prime the pump? How many of you have ever primed a pump? Anybody, water? Yeah, I had to prime a pump this summer. It was awesome. I've been missing out all my life. Prime a pump. I want to prime the pump a little bit in helping you with this idea of inviting someone over. You noticed out in the atrium today, we, we, we have boxes of watermelons. Listen, those are not atrium ornaments just for us to say, oh, church of watermelon. No, we want to encourage you to grab a watermelon today. Take it home with you. I want you to chill that watermelon because you know chilled watermelons better than just lukewarm watermelon. Reminds me of another passage in Revelation. I wish you were hot or cold, but because you're neither, you're... Yeah, lukewarm watermelon might make you vomit. Just like lukewarm Christians make Jesus vomit. Come on, somebody. He is going there. I want you to take a watermelon home today. They're our gift to you. And I want you to chill that bad boy. And I want you to think of someone that you can invite over and just not break bread, but break a rind with. Share watermelon with. A simple act of just opening up our home and our lives and saying, hey, hi, my name's Jason. This is my wife, Angie, and our daughter, Annie. She's our favorite. And we just love to, because she's still at home with us. And we just wanted to have watermelon together. So today I want to encourage you to grab a watermelon and to consider someone. It's not a bad deal getting to know our neighbors, is it? It's not a bad deal getting to know our neighbors. I want to invite you to stand with me today. You guys have been awesome. Thank you so much for putting up with me. I did take my medicine this morning, I promise. Our prayer ministry team are going to make themselves available. We're here today to pray with you and encourage you or maybe over something you're dealing with. As people are leaving, going out and grabbing a watermelon and head to the car, if we can pray with you today, that's why we're here today. That's why Caleb's here today and wants to pray with someone and encourage you. Lord Jesus, thank you for the reminder today through a very familiar story of why you came. Thank you for the reminder today that there are people around us that are still lost and they're hopeless. They're in need of a Savior. Father, we thank you for the reminder today of what your purpose was, was to come and find people like that and restore them to this great, thriving, vibrant relationship with God the Father. And God, even for the reminder today that you're calling us as the church to be the tree. You're calling us, Father, to look for ways that we can engage people with the gospel, sharing with them the love and the hope that we have through Jesus Christ. And Lord, I'm praying that maybe through the simple act of sharing a watermelon with someone, sharing a meal together, oh Lord, that those around us would get a clear picture as to who Jesus is. It's in his great name we pray. Everybody said amen. Thank you, guys. You're dismissed.